Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. That's right. My voice is back. Thank you guys so much for handling that in the last episode with the Fighting Chippewas of Central Michigan. That's the game we're breaking down today. James from Hustle Belt is going to be helping us do that. And then the Big Ten guest picker of the week, former Penn State linebacker Brandon Bell, will be joining us to talk about the Nittany Lions and his picks for week four. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get right into the show, everybody. Welcome in to Hardcore Penn State Football with me as always on this awesome Thursday afternoon because Sean had to go to the Yankees game. Sean Kane, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I am easy like a Thursday evening. And yeah. go Yanks. Yeah, just so everyone, again, is aware. We put it on Twitter, but just so everybody knows, the reason why this episode's coming out about uh, almost 12 hours late, I guess really more like... 16 hours late is because Sean Kane couldn't record last night, um, but that's okay. I mean, we'll forgive him once, I guess. Uh, big episode today, Sean. We had uh, already recorded it, but we had Brandon Bell on, former Penn State linebacker, to be the guest picker. And then we had James from Hustle Belt come on to talk about the fighting Edmund Fitzgerald. So those interviews will be coming your way at some point during the show. Sean, what were your thoughts on those interviews? Yeah, uh, Brandon was awesome. Um, you know, we all expected that, and it was really cool uh, getting to talk to one of the greats that that have played at LBU. Um, and then James, he, he, the, you know, I gotta say, the two Mac reporters that we found, they know their teams, and that was uh, really positive to see. And there, there's a lot about Central Michigan that I learned, so I was happy to have them both on. Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. I think we have again struck gold as far as who we've had on the show so we keep looking out in that department so uh, thank you again to both of those guys to hop on and talk some Penn State football with us um, Sean Penn State 3-0 and home against the Central Michigan 
Chippewas, not the Edmund Fitzgeralds, but whatever, you get the point. This weekend, noon kick on BTN. Do you know who the color guy is? Pat Miller. Yeah, unfortunately. So I'm sure yeah, he'll butcher sorry, about 70,000 names, but whatever. Yeah, At least it's not against Maryland, because he cannot say Tagovailoa to save his life. Um, oh, oh, that just, game. Yeah, that game. Uh, anyway, that is what's happening this weekend. Sean is going to be at the game. Um, I will actually, unfortunately, be working, so the live tweets might not be as good. Uh, Kara said she might want to hop on there and do some live tweeting for us, so maybe we give the keys to the kingdom to her. She's been listening for a long time, so haven't made any decision there, but maybe that actually happens. Um, we'll have to talk about today. Um, Penn State players in the NFL. Got some awesome fan questions. A couple final thoughts on Auburn. And then, like we said, the uh, preview with James from Hustle Belt. And then the Big Ten Pick'em with Brandon Bell before we drop our predictions to end the show today. Uh, let's just – we don't actually have any five-star reviews that are new. Uh, so, again, if you wouldn't mind – I should say this. We did get, like, two or three Spotify five-star ratings. So we appreciate those just as much. Um, but if you drop us a five-star review on Apple – we will also read it on the show and send you a sticker. So uh, we do like the Apple five-star reviews, maybe a smidgen more because we can read something um, and it's tangible, but we appreciate both nonetheless. Um, and again, just if you do it, let us know and we will, uh, we'll, we'll give you a sticker. Um, Penn State players in NFL, Sean, I think I added it up correctly. First two weeks of the season, Penn State players, former Penn State players have accounted for eight touchdowns uh, so far in the NFL. Not too shabby. Yeah, not too bad. And uh, your weekly Mike Kosicki update. Mike Kosicki had one of those touchdowns. I don't know if you saw the pet. I don't know if you saw the play. Uh, but Tua dropped six touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, Dolphins had the biggest fourth quarter comeback in like twelve years or something. And Mike Kosicki had it, had it. He high pointed the ball. It was vintage Mike Kosicki. He had a great. He had a great grab. So I recommend. Uh, everybody listening to go find that and don't be afraid to watch the whole Dolphins highlight um, because it was an awesome game. I, I went nuts in a cut. bar watching it. I'm about to cut you off. That was a minute too much of Miami Dolphin talk. Um, yeah, we got the, the, the catch was good. The dance afterwards was not very good. Uh, <laughs> Mike Gusecki there. Uh, I did want to just run down the list real quick. This was actually provided by Nittany Lions Wire. So we're not going to Onward State this time. We're going Nittany Lions Wire. Put this out. Micah Parsons, two more sacks. He is tied for the lead with sacks in the NFL. Jahan Dotson, four catches, 59 yards, and another score. He's at three touchdowns on the season now. Jaquan Brisker had 10 tackles. Pat Fryermuth, four catches, 22 yards, and a score. Mike Isecki, four catches, 41 yards, and a score. Allen Robinson, four catches, 53 yards, and a score. Um, to, to round that out. Nice to see Allen Robinson get back on the board there. And, um, yeah, I mean, eight touchdowns, and Jahan Dotson has three of them for, for Penn State this year. He's looking pretty good. Um, overall thoughts, anything else you want to point out on these on these uh, guys that are looking really good in the NFL? Yeah, Br- Brisker's such a beast. I mean, he's already – his second game, he has 10 tackles. I mean, you know, I think everybody listening knows how – that has been listening, especially to us since the beginning when we were talking about the draft combine. Um, and even bef- before I was on here, um, he, he's 
going to be one of the best safeties in football. I really think he's that good. And he's already blossoming. So really, really happy to see that. And Jahan Dawkins coming into his own. Having th- three touchdowns uh, in your first two games as a receiver, like, I don't think it's – I mean, I, th- I think people realize the talent difference and everything. But it's just such a big leap going into the NFL. And to see both of those guys really excelling already, I mean, it's not really surprising to us uh, because we're so familiar with them, but it's just a huge credit to them. Uh, and very, very proud of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Micah Parsons looks like he's unblockable too right now, which I want yeah. But um, yeah, no. Um, I think that's, uh, I think, I mean, maybe there's been more in the past, but I feel like, these first two weeks in the NFL, I mean, Penn State has really shown out really impressively. So um, all good things there. Let's move on to final thoughts on Auburn before we do fan questions. Um, I was able to watch this game a second time now, and um, obviously I watched it in person. My voice is back, by the way. We didn't even really mention that. Voice is back to 100%. Didn't really come out terribly on the audio, Sean, but voice is back. Yes. You sound lovely today, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I got to watch this game, the full game, from the comforts of my home and picked up on a couple of things. Some things, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been yelling at the officials as loud as I was in the game. Maybe that wasn't as bad of a call as I thought. Um, I thought the offensive line, when I looked back, I see why they got player of the week because they looked awesome. Uh, Jair Brown got some Nagurski honors as well, I wanted to mention. Jake Pinniger was the internal player of the week for special teams and Chop Robinson for defense. Chop Robinson had all the great plays that he had, almost had the sack that Jair Brown got that he recovered the fumble for. He had a sack of his own. He also caused a holding penalty on one of Tank Bigsby's longer runs. Uh, Chop Robinson looked like a man amongst boys out there. He's, He's looking really good. I was impressed there. Uh, Jake Pinniger, I thought, I mean, all said and done, ends up kicking two field goals. I just wanted to give him another shout out. We we obviously ate crow on him all, in the last episode. Um, Sean, Sean Clifford, looking really good. I thought, you know, you go back in that first half when, you know, you could argue that it wasn't going to matter anyway because Auburn was stinky. But when the game was still up for grabs, Clifford made some really big throws in that game, a third and 10, a third and six. I think he had another one on a second and long early in that game where pressure in his face, stepped up in the pocket, stayed in the pocket, made some really good throws. That one to Tinsley, well, the two throws to Tinsley, the one on the sideline was obviously great ball placement, uh, but the one to Tinsley on that kind of comeback route in third and 10, I mean, he threw a laser in there. Uh, I was very impressed with that. The timing between him and Tinsley looks like it's getting a little bit better, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Clifford, I I raved about him on Sunday. I thought he played a really, really, really good game. Um, and yeah, he managed the game, but he he made the big throws when he had to. And when it was time to when it was time to deliver, he was able to do it. And it's a wonder what a run game does. And look, I don't think this gets talked about enough. Um, but football is the ultimate team game, and everybody tries to. Uh, focus in on the quarterback and if the team's winning they give the quarterback all the credit in the world when the team's losing everybody blames the quarterback and it takes it takes the whole team and especially on you know with the offensive side of the ball 
if you're able to run the ball, that just opens up so much, so much else. And it's going to make Sean Clifford's life easier. And to have a run game that you could rely on and isn't just the run game like we had in the past when the run game was better, but to have one that you're comfortable running a four-minute offense with, to have one that you could really establish something from the beginning of the game and have it go to the end of the game, that's going to work wonders for Sean Clifford. And it would for any, uh, for any good quarterback. So very, very happy with what we've seen from him. Uh, I agree with you. I think his timings and timing's going to get better the more he plays with Mitchell Tinsley. Um, and Tinsley's been good. He's been good right out of the box. So I think he's only going to improve. Um, and I, I don't think we could say enough good things about Brenton Strange and how good of a start he's off to. And yes, Jake Pinniger. I mean, everybody that's been listening knows me and Corey have been the president and vice president of the Jake Pinniger fan club. Yes, of course, you know that. Yes. Obviously. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I'm, I'm just surprised that, yeah, Strange is leading the team in, in, in receptions and yards at three games through the season. I, I think we'd all be a little bit surprised there, but he's earned it. And and maybe some of that's due to Theo Johnson not playing his first two games, but he's taken those opportunities and he's excelled with them. So you got to give credit where credit's due. I did not know, Sean, that Marquise Wilson had that backflip off of the, uh, off of the, like the brick wall there. I wonder if you got a talking to after that because like the, the the young soul in me was like oh yeah awesome and then like the the deeper more concerned part of me was like did he really just do that with cleats and shoulder pads and everything on it in a crowded environment like I was a little nervous there but I guess he was fine but yeah I, I did not see that originally obviously because I was up in the bleachers but um but yeah that was that was an impressive backflip I didn't see it either um, but Marquise Wilson. He's been on. He's been. He's off to a good start to the season. So I guess that good um, mojo is continuing in the post game celebrations. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to mention too that uh, the update on Kevon Lee, running back Kevon Lee, looks like he might not play this Saturday. Which, if it's a question, I feel like you let him rest and you let him make sure he's all good and healthy for Northwestern or or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like you need to play him right now. Obviously got banged up in that Auburn game. Did come back in um, and actually had some pretty respectable runs at some point in that game. But be curious to see where he's at. Um, obviously, Penn State has a lot of depth when it comes to running back. So if you you do have someone banged up, that might be the position to have somebody banged up at. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Kaziah Izzard and Smith Vilbert both weren't practicing on Wednesday. So potentially still in the doghouse there. We don't really know exactly what's going on in, in those situations, but um, that's the other thing. Penn State had six sacks and, I don't know, 11 hurries, I think it was, without Smith-Vilbert and Kaziah Izzard. So it's just amazing to me that they have more depth and reinforcements coming if the uh, if those two can get whatever the situation is straightened out. Right, yeah, it really speaks to the depth of this to, to this team. Of this team. Um, and, you know, we spoke to Brandon, to Brandon Bell tonight, and if you remember that that defense was so like held together by, you know, the, the depth just wasn't nearly what it is today, and a lot and to have that that's such a that's such a big help. Um, I also want to touch on something that Franklin talked about at the press conference on Tuesday. He said they're going to be doing things differently 
in the bye week and they're they're looking at things uh, to do differently. And I mean, I I was listening at work. I mean, I almost jumped up and started dancing. Like that's gonna like that's what we've harped on for so long was Penn State really struggles for whatever reason off of buys. So uh, gonna be curious to see what they're going to be doing specifically uh, different when uh, we have the bye week before we travel up to Ann Arbor. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you could really kind of ask for anything else. So, um, yeah, Penn State's looking pretty good in that department. Um, I just wanted to reiterate this one more time before we wrap this up and just say um, it's not about who you you know who you beat. Like A lot of people are saying Auburn's not very good. And I think I said this already, but I want to reiterate it. Um, it's about how Penn State beat them and by dominating the line of scrimmage, by going down there and and taking the crowd out of the game. We hadn't really seen it to that degree before. So again, it's not about how good or bad Auburn might end up being. Which, by the way, looks like Calzada's having shoulder surgery, and Finley might not play. So they're 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 probably scrambling a little bit down there in Auburn. But um. That is not the point. The point is Penn State went down there, took care of business in a way that they hadn't really taken care of business before. That That's really what the conclusion should be from that game moving forward. Um, just wanted to reiterate that. Um, Sean, let's go. Let's go fan questions now. Got three of them to go over. And I actually like all three of these, which I don't know if I've ever said I didn't like a question, but we're going to go to all three of these. This first one comes from Lucas Powers. And he asks, what is Denai Dennis Sutton's role on the team this year? He's been impressive to me so far. Granted, most of it in garbage time. Uh, Sean, I'll let you go first. Yeah, and I think that role is going to continue to evolve. Uh, right now, I think it's to go after to go after the quarterback. Uh, you know, you mentioned that it's mostly in garbage time, which is true. And that's one thing that I think is probably going to change as the season goes on. I think he's going to get more and more time, the more he gets comfortable. Um, and he'll be in in some, in some of those um, times where the game is still in hand. Um, and you have to remember, Deny Dennis Sutton, he didn't enroll early. So he's still learning the defense. He's still... And now they kept him very informed as to what was going on because uh, they knew how 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 uh, big of a talent he is, and they knew he'd be playing this year. Uh, but he's still he's still learning the defense. So I think as the season goes on, you'll see his role grow. But right now, it's just kind. Of, it seems to me it's uh, see quarterback go get quarterback because of the way he's able to uh, fire off the ball. That's a rare ability. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And his his size and strength that he possesses as a freshman, you don't see very often, too. So, again, it's about building depth. I think these next two games are, are great games for him because he's probably going to get a chance to play a lot of football. Um, and if he plays well in these two games, we might see his role expand um, as we get into the, the heart and soul of the Big Ten play. Uh, I agree with everything you said there. Let's just move on to the next question. Uh, thank you, Lucas Powers, for the question. Again, if you want to ask us questions, usually – Tweet something about it throughout the week at Hardcore PSU FB. Uh, this question comes from Penn State Forever. How do you compare Carter at linebacker right now with Micah Parsons at this time in his freshman year? 
And I guess I'll take this one and just say, I think Carter actually looks a little bit more polished than Micah did at this point because Micah was learning how to play linebacker a lot more. Uh, Carter just just seems to be a little bit quicker as far as uh, making his decisions and whatnot. Parsons was able to make up for a lot of things. He could take the wrong step and have the speed to make up for it. Uh, and, and Carter still has to do that from time to time. But there's been times already where he's firing out of a cannon and that sack against Auburn, I mean, he 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 made he closed in extremely quickly. Uh, that play where Tank Bigsby caught it, and he and, and Carter just sm- smothered him. So, yeah, he looks really good. I it's hard to really compare the two. I think overall, I think Micah was a little bit more of a, a specimen, but I think Carter's impact, you could argue, has been just as good so far, Sean. Yeah, um, I I was thinking the same word as you, polished. I think Abdul Carter is just the more polished product right now uh, than, than Micah was at this point. Uh, you could argue Micah's, and he's still an NFL linebacker and you know one of the best in football, he's probably a natural D-end, and he's still playing linebacker. He's probably a natural ed- edge guy. Um Whereas Abdul Carter, he might be a more natural linebacker, and that's just how he is. But, you know, going back to Micah's freshman year, uh, he was really good. He led the team in tackles and everything as a backup. Uh, but he, he got caught flat-footed a few times. And that was just, I think, getting used to the position um, and, and all that. And it's, it's, tough to, it's tough for a freshman to adjust. But, yeah, I think Abdul Carter looks more ready for that spot and he's off to a a great start in his career. And I think we might run into a similar conundrum that we ran into with Micah, albeit for slightly different reasons. And that's, I think Abdul Carter should be, they should find some way to start him and to, and just like I thought with Micah, I thought Micah Parsons should have been playing, should have been starting over Cole Farmer. Like I said, the reasons for him not starting are different than the reasons Abdul Carter isn't starting. Um, but I, I do think he sh- he's one of the top two linebackers we have. Yeah, and it's tricky too because, you know, he's having success at that will spot. You don't know if he'll have that same success if he played the Sam spot. It's a whole, you know, that's that's why, and we'll get into it when we ask, as I asked Brandon Bell about that exact switching and whatever. So we don't need to go down that rabbit hole too much, um, but that's something that was asked, and and I don't think you're going to see that happen, Sean. But I mean, they rotate a lot, and so you know there are situations where I think you'll see both of them on the field. But it's, you know, it's it's not as simple as just saying, you know, okay, yeah, we're going to play both of you at the same time. But it it it's becoming harder and harder to not want that because of what Carter has been able to do. Right. Uh, this, and, and thank you, Penn State forever for that question. This next one's from Matthew Blankard, which by the way, he was the closest on the Auburn pick. He, he actually predicted a Penn State blowout. So we got a sticker out to him for that. We have a little uh, prediction tweet thread that you guys can get on too. If you haven't been a part of that, um, he says top or asked top three things Penn State needs after this week from this week's game before going to Michigan? And I think that's a great question because they have 26 days. They have two games. 
to make sure they're ready for Michigan. I should mention that James Franklin said that they plan on preparing differently in the bye week, which I know we were all excited to hear that. They plan, and I quote, I'm not messing around. He said, quote, we plan on focusing on the opponent a little bit more. And I I mean, they do a lot of things in their off week where they kind of look at themselves and they scout themselves and they, but I think what sounds like at least that there's going to be a little bit more focus on their opponent the following week, which I would hope so it, because it's being Michigan. It's going to be the biggest game of the season so far for the Nittany Lions. Uh, so that was nice to hear. Uh, so I guess the three things that Penn State needs, Sean, I would say you would want to con- you know, see consistency in the running game. We've seen it through two games. I think it would be nice to see that continue to happen in the next two games just so we feel like, okay, it wasn't just an off thing. Like th- This is really what we can do running the ball. Um, that'd be one of them, and, and in no specific order. Um, I would like to see the defense not just get off the field on third and longs, but also do better in limiting the big play. We saw Auburn and Ohio, to a certain degree, um, have some big chunks. We were mentioning, uh, texting each other, Sean, Penn State ranks 104th in the country right now in 10-plus yards allowed. So would like to see them maybe limit some of the chunk plays. They They gave up, I think, 16% of what they call explosive plays, or 21%, I think, of explosive plays to Auburn last week. So definitely want to limit those. And I guess if we're having a third need, um, not not necessarily a, a huge one, Sean, but I think you'd like to see just maybe the offense and the passing game continue to take that next step, like especially if the running game is going to be where it's at. Like, what do we have consistency on the outside? Like, will Tinsley 100% be the guy that gets them, that breaks out of man coverage when they need it. Will he be the dude? It seems like he's going to be the dude. Um, but again, we have two two games here to, to see if that's 100% the case. What would you like to add to that, Sean? Yeah. Um, my first one is getting off the field on third down. Uh, that's something that Penn State struggled with in all three of their first games. Um, so I think really focusing on that. Uh, second one probably uh, consistency from the right tackle positions specifically. Uh, I, I thought they've played better. Uh, if you've noticed, Nick Single, two of Nick Singleton's long runs have come around that right side. Um, so I think they've been better, but I got to see more consistency and just see them, you know, string good drives, good games together. And I think that would, that would go a long ways. And probably improvement from the middle linebacker spot. Uh, I think Kobe and Elsden, I think they're getting more comfortable there. Uh, I think the game might, but I do want to see them improve because while I've seen them get better from Purdue, which is encouraging, I still want to see them find another level. So probably that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, when you're off to a good start, it's, easy to it's it gets harder to um really assess the bad parts of your team till you lose uh but it's but when you're winning it's um um not more difficult but it's it it because yeah i guess it does become more difficult to find the flaws but this team has flaws uh, and they haven't played part. They didn't even play perfectly against uh, Auburn, and we blew them out. And we blew them out of the water. So there's definitely things they got to improve on, and I think they will. 
they have, uh, like you said, they have a long time to improve before Michigan. And I got to be honest, I'm feeling optimistic about Michigan. Hint, hint. Wow. Wow. Throwing a little bit of a bone for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think but that's are- very tentative right now. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I think those are good points, Sean. I I would like to add, I tweeted about it too. Kobe King was looking faster in this past game. He made some some pretty good plays. So I like to see, I like where he's going. I thought Ellison actually got a couple nice plays too. So I think that's getting better. But these next two games, again, are are big games for those guys and improving those things. Um, thank you for the questions as always. We appreciate it. Um, Let's go into the preview with James right now, Sean, um, from Hustle Belt. We'll go into the interview right now. I'll put it in here, and then we will be right back in a second to wrap up the Chippewas talk, and we'll be right back. Welcome on to the show now, James from Hustle Belt, to talk to us about some Central Michigan Chippewas. How are you doing today, James? I'm doing great, folks. Uh, Thank you, Corey and Sean, for reaching out to us over at the hustle belt I want to say it was last week to pop on to this show uh our our former podcast host who's still a contributor uh he's just doing more general writing stuff zach was a big fan of you guys and said hey these guys might want to talk to you so more than happy to pop on that's awesome that, that's fan. that's what we like to hear um yeah we would like to know more about central michigan and and what penn state should expect in this uh home football game coming up on saturday noon kick uh, on BTN, the Chippewas, no stranger to some tougher opponents, went on the road and faced Oklahoma State earlier in the year. Uh, what can you tell us about Central Michigan? Well, Central's been off to a bit of a slow start this year. Uh, all uh, They've been going through a number of changes in the offseason, say at least. Uh, Kevin Barbe, who is the offensive coordinator last year, he left and took the same position with Appalachian State to take control of their offense. So that brings aboard former Idaho head coach uh, Paul Petrino to run the offense over here in Central. And there's been some, uh, shall we call it, calibration issues, especially at the starts of games for the Chippewas this year. They're still dangerously talented. Uh, They have last year's leading rusher, Lou Nichols. He opted not to go into the transfer portal despite a lot of attraction from other teams this offseason, opting to stay in Mount Pleasant, and the first couple games were not extremely pleasant. I think he gained maybe 72 to 76 yards on Oklahoma State the first week, and then the second week against South Alabama was also pretty much a shutdown. He got maybe 25 yards there. Uh, This week looked a little better. I think he had somewhere around 196 yards and a couple touchdowns on top of that. He was really the catalyst for that win against Buck now. So he'll still be somebody to look out for. Uh, Danny Richardson does return to the fold. He won the starting quarterback job about halfway through last year after losing it somehow to, uh, to uh, God, I don't remember his name anymore, but he's out in northern, northern Arizona. Uh, anyway, but, uh, slow starts has been the key to Central this year. Uh, they have been massively outscored in the first half of most of their games this year. And they're a team that has shown second half offensive capabilities. If you watched the Oklahoma State game at all, you will know that at some point they went down something like 42 to 14 and came all the way back to within a score 
of that game before Oklahoma State brought the starters back in. And then similarly against USA, uh, they fell, I think, 31-7 at some point and brought that back to a two-score possession game against Bucknell. I think they went in 7 nothing at halftime. And then they ended up winning the game by a score of 41-0. to So in the Chippewas, you were getting a very good football team that at its peak will be amongst the favorites to win the MAC title. And then at the floor is a very uneven, inconsistent unit that absolutely needs a couple plays to go their way to get into rhythm. Gotcha, yeah. So uh, it's funny because around here, if you, you mentioned a second-half team, a lot of Penn State fans will laugh about that because they've been uh, more than aware of some Penn State teams starting extremely slow. Uh, maybe maybe don't take the uh, the cover on the total in this game because just maybe CMU might be getting that backdoor cover late. Um, let, let's talk defense because there's been some issues there, James. Giving up 500 yards to both Oklahoma State and to South Alabama. Uh, what what can Penn State's look for? Where maybe does uh, Central Michigan need to tighten things up at? All right, so the way that it works for Central Michigan, uh, this goes back to uh, the start of 2019. They've had Rob Akey as a defensive coordinator since then under Jim McElwain there. And his philosophy is basically to damn the torpedoes at all costs. And it results in a lot of uh, chaotic fronts. Uh, CMU was a top five havoc-producing defense in the country last year, as well as a top 25 defense thanks in part to their ability to pick up tackles for loss and sacks. Uh, this year, a lot of the people who contributed towards those numbers are gone. Amir Sadiq transferred out to Charlotte. Uh, Troy Hairston the second, Troy Hairston the third. I never remember which signifier it is. He graduated and is now on the Houston Texans lineup as their fullback this season. So that's part of the reason why those numbers have gone down. They had a lot of uh, I think both of their linebackers transferred out this year. One transferred out to Kentucky State. The other transferred out to Ole Miss. Uh, that's Troy, Bar- uh, Troy Brown who did that one. And then all their safeties, more or less, also transferred out or graduated this season. So there's a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that front in terms of the tackles for loss and all that. But they still have a couple of really interesting pieces there. Uh, former Valdosta State defensive end Thomas Incombe was really rele- relevation last year. He's already up to four and a half sacks. And then there's also a redshirt freshman in Michael Heldman, also at four and a half sacks. They have both been an absolutely wonderful uh, duo there at the edge positions. But really where a lot of the Chippewas' weaknesses come to the fore is when pressure doesn't get there. That secondary is still really trying to get its trying to get itself together after so many graduations leaving. Uh, you will notice this upcoming game, it'll be Dante Kent and Ronald Kent. I believe that is the third different combination we're going to be seeing in four seasons on the outside corners. In terms of the safeties, we have, I think, a second or third string safety last year starting in Trey Jones. And then we're still also trying to figure out that other safety position You'll see a couple other names rotating around back there, uh, and including Dejavion Stephanie, who was a former running back last season. He already has five pass breakups, 16 tackles. And then also we had the debut of, I 
believe his name is Javante Wiley. He had his debut last week, so uh, forgive me for not recognizing the name immediately. And then uh, Cam Wiley will also probably see some snaps back there. But when the pressure doesn't get there, seems susceptible to big plays. I believe against uh, uh, against USA, South Carolina, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They had a dozen plays. Uh, big plays which you would term as 12 yards rushing or 16 yards passing. So this is a defense that is susceptible to being exposed against teams that are ready to expose it. Yeah, that's good to know. That's something that Penn State definitely um, has had some success with this year. Nick Singleton running back, I think he leads the country right now in plus 40-yard run. So it be interesting Terrifying. to see. What was that? Terrified. I am absolutely terrified of Singleton. Yeah, yeah. And he had I think he had what two of those, Sean, against against another Mac opponent in Ohio. So Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll be interesting to see what they do to maybe slow him down. What what are other keys for Central Michigan in this game? I, I would assume they want to start a little bit faster than they have in previous games, but uh but what else, James? Yeah, so the, the faster starts will be really nice for them. Uh last week against Bucknell, I know you guys probably didn't watch that and I will not you know, I, I, I'll, I'll forgive you for not doing that <laughs> in leading up to this game. <laughs> but uh, what was immediately evident last week was that once you got past the starters on offense, they were missing Carlos Carrier, who will be back this week. Uh, he was out with a wisdom tooth distraction. And they were also out Dallas Dixon, who broke his arm and will be out for the rest of the year uh, in an injury he picked up against USA. So we saw a lot of the backup receivers in against Bucknell, and it was evident that they just weren't quite ready to go. And that really forced an immense struggle in terms of getting anything downfield in the passing game until late in that game. So that is really where Central creates a lot of their damage. Uh, that In order to open up those lanes for Lou Nichols, they like to get the pass game going pretty early, and they have a lot of good targets there. Uh, Jalen McGoy, Ball State transfer. He's here, leading receiver right now. 200 yards total, two touchdowns. He's big, I believe. He's about six foot three, somewhere around 230 pounds. Very fast, physical. Loves to win one on one. He's broke. He's broken out several big plays already this year. And then you have Carlos Carrier, the Maryland transfer, who you might remember from Big Ten play. 144 and one touchdown so far. In his two games, he has proven to be a very reliable receiver. And then you also have Joel Wilson, who will definitely be in competition for all-MAC tight end this year, 165 yards and two. Central's of the belief that if they can get the short pass game going, they can open up the running holes for Lou Nichols. And if they can get the running holes open for Lou Nichols, they can go back into play action and send that ball deep you know, in the direction of McGoy, in the direction of Carrier, and even in the direction of Finn Hogan, who will also see some rotation time. So they will definitely want to get that passing game going there. They will also try to get uh, the running back screen going as well. You'll see Luke Nichols going out for those routes, but you'll also see a lot of Miles Bailey, uh, who is a better pass catching back than Nichols in that formation at times. And then even Marion Lukes will also get a few of those looks, our third string back. And Luke's will also probably get Luke's and uh, Bailey both will also probably get some look on stretch plays as well. So basically, for Steam U, they just 
they just need to get that ball rolling early, and they need to figure out the Penn State secondary early. If they can figure out that passing game, that really opens up the playbook for them in terms of getting the ball rolling downfield in the rush, which will then open up their ability to be able to do play action. And CMU loves to get into that play action. Their, their number, their number they're always trying to hit is somewhere in the 38 range. And if you can get that opened up, I think that's a possibility given the talent that we have on that offensive side. Yeah, I'd be interested to see um, what Bailey does in a passing game. He's one guy that stood out to me when I was watching the film, uh, especially in that screen game. What 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 scares you? You, you kind of mentioned Nick Singleton there for a second, but what, what scares you about this Penn State team as, as you begin to look to see how the Chippewas are going to attack them? Well, yeah, Singleton is absolutely the guy that you're circling, italicizing, underlining. Like, it is legitimately terrifying that he has 11 yards on average of rush. What the hell is that? You know, it's just, uh, you know, he's probably going to be the biggest running presence that CMU will see in the entire season. You know, no, no offense to Ladarius Webb in South Alabama, and no offense to the running backs that Oklahoma State exhibited, but Singleton's just on a different level, and I'm not sure that CMU has the size up front to be able to stop that. You know, Jaquez Bristol is a very good nose tackle, but I don't think he's faced any running backs like that in the past. Uh, in terms of other offensive players that I really get concerned with, uh, Sean Clifford obviously is going to be a different type of quarterback from a lot of what Central has played. Like Central was able to get home on you know, Oklahoma State's quarterback, Spencer Sanders, a few times. So Sanders also really just ripped into them for several long runs. And I know Clifford has that dual threat ability in him, even if he's been hobbled in recent seasons. So I do have a little bit of concern where it rises to them. And then uh, Button Strange, the tight end, who I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is currently Penn State's leading receiver. He is, he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, CMU has been especially vulnerable when it comes to coverage in the middle. Uh, if you look back at the USA game, you'll notice a good handful of those touchdowns were on plays in the middle of the field where linebackers were asked to be in coverage as slot receivers and tight ends. Because uh, Kyle Moretti and Justin Whiteside do primarily specialize in filling the run gaps. That's good to know. That's good to know. Uh, we appreciate you coming on here. and I mean, just, you're just dropping knowledge on top of knowledge on top of knowledge. Sean, you got any questions for James? Yeah. Uh, so you touched a little bit on, you know, guys to watch on, on the offense. Um, I watched some of the Oklahoma State game, and a guy that you kept hearing his name is uh, Jalen McGoy. 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 Yeah, he, he really uh, stood out to me. And, you know, how important do you – first off, like, who on the outside should Penn State fans really uh, worry about? And how important is it to get Richardson into a rhythm? Because his completion percentage really plummeted since that Oklahoma State game. It's going to be very important. Uh, Central last year, uh, I don't know how much Central Michigan football you watched last year, but uh, they graduated their top two receivers in Coral Pimpleton and Corey Sullivan. And those were especially tough losses. Uh even going into spring camps, they weren't really sure uh, who was going to emerge from the receiving core to kind of take over those spots. So 
once they got through the spring ball, they were really aggressive in the transfer portal. And they're bringing, I think, six or seven receivers to really fight for spots out there. And the one that immediately blew up was Jalen McGoy, a former Ball State transfer. Uh, he coincidentally uh, had his best uh, receiving game as a college player at Central when he was a member of the Ball State Cardinals. I think he had two receptions for over 100 yards and two touchdowns or something like that. Something ridiculous like that. And so Central, let's just say they knew him pretty well when they recruited him, to say the least. And he will be extremely important on that outside. Because, you know, you brought in Carlos Carrier, and Carrier is a very good receiver. He's, I believe, he's six foot five, two 203 pounds, a ridiculously talent, physically talented receiver over there. And he's good. Like, he's a great physical presence who brings down the ball. But McGoy's speed on that outside is really something else. It's uh, very reminiscent of Khalil Pimpleton. But Khalil Pimpleton was five foot seven, Like, a tiny guy. Like, you know, I, I stand about six foot four and towered over him kind of deal. But, like, when you're putting that kind of speed onto somebody like McGoy, who has also shown some excellent crisp routes along the way. There's one play, I think his second touchdown against Oklahoma State. It was a 45-yarder where he just set that foot in there, uh, the corner bit, and then he just flew right by him for all those easy yards. He's like, man, we've really got something here with McCoy. And Penn State would be pretty wise to uh, put a lot of pressure on McCoy because Richardson loves to try and find him. Uh, that's also part of the reason why Richardson has kind of struggled out of the gate is because uh, Pimpleton and Dixon both served as a, a big security blanket for Richardson last season. And with Dixon out of injury, there's a lot of uncertainty at that slot position, which will still kind of be in a battle. Uh, there's two or three receivers battling for that position at the moment, including Langston Lewis and I believe uh, Sam Hicks and Elone Jackson will all kind of be rotating in and out of that spot. So until that's figured out, it's really just going to be down to McGoy Carrier, who will be back this week, and that should hopefully help a little bit. And then you have Joel Wilson at that tight end position. Yeah, that Carrier is a guy that I remember. He's at Maryland. We were previewing some of the Maryland stuff. He he stood out in film quite a bit. So that that's definitely a big. Uh, he moves really well for being six foot five. Uh, yeah, James, that, James, James of- I got Oklahoma State too. If you look back. Yeah, yeah he did. that nice short catch in traffic in the red zone, just really good stuff. Yeah, I think that was that was a you know a huge get as far as in the transfer portal goes. James, have you given this game any thought into a, a score prediction for us? Are you are you prepared to give us any sort of prediction today? Ah, oh, goodness, I that's a funny story. I had a I had Penn Live reach out to me about potentially doing a. Uh, prediction kind of thing for their newspaper. I was like, ah, oh, man, I'll direct you out to the student newspaper because oh, I don't like predictions at all. But <laughs> it's not my deal. I love talking about the X's and O's that they've been doing. But, you know, may as well, may as well give it a shot. Uh, I could see where, yeah, Vegas might have this right, honestly. Because uh, you know, even with that game against Oklahoma State, we still got down into a hole enough to where they nearly paid it out like at the half. It was really that bad of a performance to start. But, you know, Central has some talent. Uh, they could probably keep it going early. 
in terms of staying competitive, which they did, you know, with Oklahoma State even to a certain extent. Prior to that really bad safety that they let up, and then that drive after the safety punt, you know, they're keeping pretty good pace with Oklahoma State. It's just that the the second half of the second half of games, both those teams love their second half adjustments. They cannot get enough of their second hand adjustments. Absolutely addicted to second hand half adjustments. If Central does come out swinging, you know, which they haven't done in the last three games, it has to be said, will they be confident enough to make adjustments in that second half, you know, able to keep the course type of deal? Whereas conversely, if they come out slow in the first half, then what kind of adjustments do they make in the second half? You know, because the perfect recipe for an upset is always, you know, you want to possess the ball as much as possible. You want to limit the other team's possessions as much as possible, and you want to be as efficient as possible. And up to this point, Central has not been a terribly efficient team. That's to be said. Uh, one of the major downfalls, which might crop up again in this game, which I haven't mentioned to this point, is special teams. Uh, they've had several out-of-bound kick penalties. They've missed several extra points. Uh, we had two kickers miss three field goals against Bucknell. Last week, we we gave up, you know, we basically left 10 points off the scoreboard at the end of drives last week. So everybody's really just going to have to be at their best. But in terms of a prediction, I would say for the sake of gambling purposes, we're probably going to end up just at just at 63 or 64. I would say that'll probably be a great number. And then at the spread, I've got 28. You folks have, I think, 26 and a half or something like that. I would say maybe 24. 24 sounds appropriate to me in terms of a gap for a final score, especially if they can't get going early. But I would not be surprised at all if Central just finds a spark somehow and ends up making it a two-possession game. Okay, well... uh... So taking the under and then taking a CMU cover. I think that's right. I don't gamble. No, <laughs> like, I don't do that either. I, yeah, so I, I don't have any idea if that's good or not. If, if Zach was here with me, he would definitely help me out. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Well, James, we really appreciate it. Where can people find more stuff about uh, the Chippewas as they begin to p- prepare for this weekend? All right, so uh, I am our uh, on top of being our deputy editor over at Hustle Ball. I'm also the team's main Central Michigan writer. I have been for about eight years now. This will be my eighth full season writing about Chippewas football. Uh, you can find me at AV King James on Twitter. And for more day-to-day stuff about the Chippewas, uh, Ryan Kaloris and Sean Chase of Central Michigan Life. Uh, that's the student newspaper at Central Michigan. Also, tend to have some really good pieces over there as well so if you're looking for that kind of content please go check them out at cm life sports i think is the handle on twitter but yeah thank you folks for having me on no the pleasure is all ours we really you know thank you we had someone uh earlier this year to speak ohio and sean and i were just kind of messaging about how you know impressed we are with you guys and you guys come in and you drop a lot of knowledge bombs so we really appreciate it yeah, we love the Mac. It is the best little conference in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So, um, uh, James, thank you so much. I, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you. Uh, good luck and fire up chips. All righty. Hopefully you guys enjoyed 
James from Hustle Belt as much as we did. Uh, he really came on and knew his stuff. So thank you, James. Uh, make sure you check out Hustle Belt for all the Maction needs that you possibly need. Um, had a couple brief CMU thoughts here before we get to uh, to Brandon Bell, Sean. Uh, McElwain, former Florida coach, for people that didn't know. Paul Petrino, uh, James mentioned, offensive coordinator. Uh, but he was the head coach at Idaho when Penn State played Idaho, for those that were curious. So he'll be coming to Beaver Stadium for his second time. And McIlwain, I on a on a broad or I don't know if it was an interview or whatever, was but he said he was very impressed with Nick Singleton. So I thought that was an obvious one, but something that McIlwain at least pointed out. He said he was very impressed with Franklin, what he's been able to do, do here in general. So um, that's just your random head coach thought. And then I wanted to say that their defense gave up 500 yards to both South Alabama and Oklahoma State. Um, not the best, and also. One final thought, and we mentioned this on the the show when we first talked about them in the summer, but one, two, three, four, five, six key contributors gone from this team, a bunch of them because of the transfer portal, but on their defense, they've lost 345 tackles, which is 40% of their production from last season. That includes 16 sacks. Uh, So a lot of pieces are gone, uh, and I'll be curious to see how they can – how can they respond? Losing two offensive tackles as well. They are 6-0 and last season when they ran for 200 yards. So we'll see how they try to get the ground game going. Sean, any final thoughts on uh, CMU before we get the Brandon Bell interview in here? Yeah. Um, so they got – they. Um, I think their biggest thing is just consistency. Their um, first half, they, they, they've been really, really bad. And then it seems like they work some voodoo magic at halftime and they come out and they're, they look a lot better. Um, yeah. Uh, Daniel Richardson, he, he played well against uh, Oklahoma state. I, I think he, he, he just had, he had a really good game, really been struggling since then. Uh, his completion percentage really plummeted a uh, guy to watch out for uh, Jalen McGoy. Uh, he really jumped off my screen when, um, I watched him play against Oklahoma State. Um, and, yeah, Lou Nichols. We talked about him a lot in the summer when we covered Central Michigan. Uh, he's a guy that Penn State's going to want to hold in check. Uh, on defense, they they don't appear to tackle very well. Um, and teams have taken advantage of that, both South Alabama and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too thrilled with this team, got to be honest. Um, I liked them in the second half of games, but in the first half of games, they were just terrible. Um, but yeah, I'm really not too impressed by them, but I think they might be able to put up some points on us. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at, Sean, as well. Um, yeah, and we'll get to our predictions right after. We have Brandon Bell on, former Penn State linebacker, of course, part of that 2016 squad that won the Big Ten Championship. Uh, we'll drop his interview in right here. So hopefully you guys enjoy that right now. Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Now joining us on the podcast, former Penn State linebacker, Brandon Bell. How are you doing, Brandon? What's up? How are you, what, What's going on with you? How are you guys doing? I'm well. I'm well. Glad you guys reached out. I'm glad to be on. Um, you know, I'm okay right now. As uh, we were talking before, you know, it's always good to talk Penn State football. And there's a lot of... Uh, the number's higher in the win column, uh, so 
good. Yeah, yeah. You've uh, if anyone has experienced that roller coaster ride, you definitely have. You obviously were around when things were bad and when things were really, really good. So you've definitely seen the the peaks and the valleys. Uh, this team specifically has seen a lot of those peaks and valleys too. What what stood out to you so far for this 2022 squad? I think it's been the, um, you know, kind of the resiliency or like the grit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, as, you know, kind of went into the season, some unproven things, people weren't sure. And I think already three weeks in, they've, you know, kind of battle tested. Uh, and I think that that's going to pay dividends, um, you know, just for the guys' confidence and as a team, you know, getting those tough wins on the road, uh, it means it means a lot, especially for a college program, I believe. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think getting those tough wins, and not a lot of people are actually giving Penn State much credit for those tough wins. What's what's it like going on the road and playing in these tough environments? Obviously, you know, you've played at some of the toughest places in the country. Uh, you were lucky that Penn State was on your side when you were in Beaver Stadium, but what, what's it like as far as like being with your teammates and and kind of like a us first the world mentality? I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed it. I love that us against the world, going into somebody else's home, you know, some getting you know heckled a little bit by the fans. It always it always kind of you know added fuel to the flame, whatever you want to say. Kind of got me going a little bit just to play the spoiler. You know, you know we love it when the crowd goes quiet, and of course our sideline is is rocking. Uh, so that's always fun, but it's it's always interesting. You know, you get to see different towns a little bit, get different college towns. You don't really get to you know travel around much, but see the different areas. You know, enjoy the enjoy the hotel with your teammates, and then you wake up and, and go to war. It's always uh, it's always a blast to me, especially when you fly instead of driving. Driving can be a little a little bit of a hassle. Right? Yeah, Penn State at least. The football, you know, team has been privileged most of the time to, to fly, but I know some of the other sports, not as fortunate. Uh, yeah, a lot of freshmen are playing on this team this year, making huge impacts. Way back in your day, which not trying to make you sound too old, um, <laughs> but way back in 2013, you played and played really well as a freshman. Circumstances a little bit different, uh, but. What are the challenges that these young guys face? I mean, how what are you doing to catch up? What are you doing to make sure you're in the right spot, lined up correctly? And then when you do have success, how do you manage that? Yeah, I think it can be a lot. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, there's always the opportunity cost of playing, you know, in their freshman year or maybe, you know, redshirting or not playing as much and maybe getting your body more prepared. But it all goes into uh, kind of, as you say, how you manage it. It could be a lot for a freshman. You know, you're new to a campus pretty much, figuring out where to go for class and just how to navigate college life. But as well, you know, you, the reason why you're there almost besides education is, you know, to go uh, play on Saturday. So when you know you're playing, you know, it's, a, it's an added responsibility uh, for sure. And it's just on top of everything else, whether it's hitting weights, class, tutor sessions at all. It can be a lot to manage, but. You know, I think the program, as most D1 programs, they have a lot of, uh, you know, all hands on deck. You can get help wherever you need it. So uh, just to make sure these guys don't feel like they have too much. But uh, to be out there as a freshman, Beaver Stadium, um, I can't. It's fun no matter when you get out there. But as a freshman coming from high school, unless you went to a 5A class, Texas type high school, you're not playing anywhere close to that type of environment. 
Right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's not many things that come close to, to Beaver Stadium, that's for sure. We'll get to that a little bit more down the road. Uh, you were one of the few guys that were there before Franklin and then there for a considerable amount of time after Franklin got there. What can you tell us about head coach James Franklin? What, what are things that you know st- stood out to you when he first got there? And then a lot of coaches can come in and promise certain things, but w- what are things that maybe – ended up being true about him or like, yeah, like, oh yeah, you know, that was actually, you know, he, he wasn't just pulling my leg here or he wasn't just being a car salesman. You know, th- yeah. that's actually kind of hit what his personality really ended up being. Yeah. I think the main point kind of answer to all of those is, you know, coach Franklin, I call him James now. I can do that. Um, he's a very particular person. And as a young kid, you may think, you know, why does this matter? Why does that matter? We're just playing football, da 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 da. But as I got older, and especially now, I realized how important it is. And some of the things that he may have came in and just spoke, and what what he wanted out of a program, you know, it it came down to even when the most successful moments years we've had, it's when everybody's on the same accord, and everybody's kind of following the script, and. That script may be, it may have some things that you may not, once again, deem like important, but the fact that it's on the script means it needs to get done. And if that's that's what he, you know, wants out of the team, I think if everybody gets on board, uh, you can be successful. Um, it's, I can't, I'm trying not to think of, I can't think of anything too particular, but whenever it comes down to the color of your, your socks or your shoes, and they might got a little lenient now, but things like that. He was very particular about, um, I can just remember you walk out to practice with the wrong, I don't know, your shoes not laced up or something. He'd yell at you and make you run back, tie your shoes, then run back onto the field or something like that. And it may have, you know, yeah, it caught you off guard then. But in the long run, everything kind of matters. Everything is connected to be in unison. Um, I I found that to be true, at least um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember at some of the Nittanyville meetings and stuff like that, anybody was just wearing a red shirt. He would, yeah, he would yeah, find a shirt to give them so you could put a, you know, a different <laughs> shirt on, get that red shirt out of there. So uh, I've definitely seen that from time to time. 2016, Brandon, Penn State hadn't let, you know reached that level of success since. Some people thought that was the beginning of, you know, maybe that was going to happen every year after that or at least be in contention. That, but that hasn't been the case. What what made that 2016 team so special, and how does Penn State, you know, get back to that, or or what is necessarily missing that that you guys had? I think they can get back, and they will get back, and that's the thing about that season is just, you know, who really knew besides the team in the locker room, you know, and as far as we know from the outside sitting, and any year can be that. This year could be that. Uh, we don't do not know yet, but I think the thing that set that team up for success is just the group of guys. It was a, it was a healthy combination of the group, talent, pure talent, because you need that at this level of college football. There's no question about it. Um, you know, coaching the the chemistry, and just a, a good group of uh, that all coming together at the right time. And when you got you know leadership and you got like you said pure skill can't live without it you can make some uh you can make a you can make a run uh pretty 
pretty good run, even if you're kind of up against the odds. And I think Penn State kind of has that in its DNA as a program in general. So at any moment, any season, we can we can see that. And I know we all want to get to the point where it is consistent and we're, you know, Rose Bowl contenders, uh, not Rose Bowl, Big Ten champs every year. And I think we will be. We will be. I'm not sure if it could start this year. We'll see. I hope so. But we will be. It's in our DNA. Gotcha. Yeah. And part of that 2016 run included beating Ohio State. That's the last time Penn State's done that. You had 19 tackles and a sack in that game. What do you remember <laughs> from that night? What you know? What What do you hold on to that you'll probably hold on to for the rest of your life? Yeah, I remember the main thing is I wasn't even supposed to make it back for that season. Um, I had tore my quad in that Pittsburgh game. And, you know, first diagnosis was eight to 12 weeks, you know, as a senior, you know, with big dreams and everything like that. Heart drops. Uh, long story short, was able to come back in five weeks, uh, four games with the bye week. I remember Cabinda was out, I think his hand, his thumb or something like that. So the main thing for me was just I wanted to give it my all, but I'm not sure what my all was at that moment, at that time going into that game. And, um, and uh, yeah, I had a low snap count. not supposed to play uh, X amount of snaps. And, obviously, game went our way. I played dang near the whole game. And I just remember being – when that final uh, tick went off the clock, finally kind of monkey off your back because I had never beaten Ohio State. Um, so I know what that feels like when that clock went down and the uh, students rushed the field after a long, hard-fought game, just, you know, letting the shoulders down a, a second and then getting bombarded by everybody. Uh, I was just completely exhausted. It took forever to get off the field. It took even longer to get home. By the time I did, I was I was pooped. Done. Yeah, yeah I, I remember all... thinking, that, like, how crazy it was that, you know, you and Kabinda were supposed to be playing limited snaps, and then yeah. you both end up playing the whole game and really dominating that game. So that was crazy to me. <laughs> but I was very appreciated that you ended up that they yeah. ended up going away from that snap count. Yeah, and also, you know, you mentioned Ohio State yeah. and how, you know, you guys were close your freshman year in, in doing that too and beating them. So you, you'd been there a couple of times and – and we're right on the... Well, no, that was my sophomore year. Sophomore year, okay. Yeah, yeah freshman yeah. year was not too close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll forget about that one. That's right. Um, <laughs> okay, so then you go on to the NFL for a little bit, play a little bit in the XFL too. What did you learn from those experiences? What What are things that you would, uh, you know, like to promote to, to, to these future Nittany Lions that are going to be heading there shortly? Hey, man, it's a dream. That's what most of us do it for. And, you know, you... You dream of playing D1 football, uh, make it, taking it to the next level, to the league, and that's usually the ultimate goal. Um, obviously, it's college football is a little different now. You can get a little money in your pocket, um, but obviously, NFL is still the highest of the highest. You know, there's no other leagues around the world or the country that amount to that, like in this sport. So, it's the ultimate goal, and uh, obviously, putting on performance at your D1 um, college, Penn State, it only propels you to that. So I always encourage guys to savor these moments while you're here, you know, be purposeful every day, even if that is your goal. Some guys don't necessarily think about NFL that much. Um, even while they're playing, you know, a ton of snaps um, for the team, 
But whatever it is, you know, be purposeful every day because at the end of the day, there's still nothing like and any any uh, pro guy will tell you there's nothing like college. You know, it's it's a different beast for for that uh, reason. NFL is so you know savor these moments. You're only a college kid once, so you kind of, kind of got to keep that in perspective as well. But NFL is is always a dream. Right, Sean. Before I let you ask you know your question or two that I'm sure you have because Brandon's one of your favorite players of all time. Uh, I was curious because Penn State's linebacking core right now was one of the question marks coming in, and now it looks like they have some experience under them. They got some guys that could that can play. Uh, Curtis Jacobs switched from the Sam to the Will. Now you have Abdul Carter playing at the at the uh, at the Will as well, and he's playing well. One of the questions that was brought up this week was, "Hey, maybe." you could move Jacobs back to the Sam and leave Carter at the will. I guess my question is how hard is it to a learn one position and how much does that translate to moving around to other spots? And once you're there, is that something where you kind of want to stay at that spot for the season or give us some insight into how hard all that is to do? Yeah, definitely. um, It definitely could be difficult, especially, well, I guess we're talking Jacobs. He's the leader, you know, the most experienced, uh, so he's been around, but it's also a new a new coordinator. So, you know, everything is slightly different. I'm sure he knows um, everything in and out and probably has the capability to do that. Um, but obviously the coaches are going to do what best serve the team, what they believe, you know, because ultimately you want guys playing fast, not thinking too much. Um, so if, if guys have been in mainly in one particular spot, all of training camp, spring camp, and they haven't necessarily uh, rotated in those different positions. I don't think you want to mess with it uh, personally, because once again, you just want guys going out there playing. And, you know, it's Carter, you got a freshman guy. He looks to be playing faster and faster each week. Uh, unfortunately, got first week cut short. Uh, so yeah, I, I understand everybody wants to see him out there. Maybe we do. Who knows? Um, Jacobs, you know, he seems to have made strides at the wheel and playing inside. You want a guy like that around the ball more. That's the only thing about playing Sam. I, I made that transition myself. Um, and that 2016 year, like we're saying, I was able to have those 16, 16 tackle games because you're in the box, you're around the ball more. That, uh, that weak side linebacker position, it allows you to do that. So you want a guy that's active. You, we see him pass rushing. We see him you know, making tackles, sideline to sideline, in the box. You want a guy like Jacobs to affect the ball as much as possible. So another reason why I'm not sure I would be on board of, you know, getting him out of that role, but I understand it. And these guys are getting more experienced, as you said, and who knows, you know, the defense seems to be pretty, give a lot of different looks, a lot of pressures as we see. I think it, uh, the more these guys play, the more plays they'll make. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that insight. I'm, I'm curious, you a little jealous? You uh, jealous you didn't get opportunity to play in this Manny Diaz defense where I just feel like <laughs> people are flying around the ball, getting a lot of different opportunities to, to you know, get some of those sacks and get those highlight plays. Uh, what are your thoughts on the defense so far? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely an aggressive defense. Any guy that loves the blitz would uh, savor those opportunities. But uh, they look good, man. They look good. The back end, I, you know, I treat it almost every week. The back end. Still getting better, but they they have a chance to really lock down and be elite, elite. Um, and I know not every team can do it, but when we can play, man, I think we could match up with um, any team to any team out there. 
uh, on the back end of linebackers, as we just said, getting more experience. These guys are hungry. I had a chance to speak with these guys a little bit uh, this summer. They want to go out there and make the plays. That's what I tell. That's what I tell them. Or I told them, you know, linebackers, we make the plays. You know, we make the defense go, and um, they're they're molding into that as we just uh, spoke on. And the D line coming alive. The pass for us is getting stronger and stronger. Mustafa's up in the middle. He's uh, bouncing back from last year. Guys are flying around, as you said. You can tell the energy is high and they're having fun, and and that's and the confidence is, is gaining. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal when it comes to uh, playing football in general, general, but especially for college guys. Yeah, no, for sure. We can definitely see that confidence brewing, I mean, especially at, towards the end of that Auburn game. Uh, Sean, yeah. I know you're itching at the bit. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brandon. Um, So about Abdul Carter, uh, he's wearing that number yeah. 11, and you know better than almost anybody what that means at Penn State. What sticks out to you the most to see a freshman really just excelling already at at um at the linebacker spot? Yeah, I would say. I mean, I'm not. I need. I really want and need access to the college tape to really break it down. But just from TV, as we said before, it seems like he's playing faster, and that's and that's what you want with the a big athletic guy, you know, to just get to the ball and fly around. And that's the one thing as a freshman, you know, the young guy coming coming in, you might be, you know, a little paralysis by analysis sometimes. And I'm not sure if we're seeing that, you know, which is big time, big time for Penn State, big time for him. Um, but it, it, it'll come along as we even like we've seen with Micah. I mean, he came alive the more he was out there. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't necessarily a starter off the bat. Um, yep. rotate a little bit, you know, got his feet wet. And next thing you know, he's getting more comfortable, more comfortable to where it's we, we can't take this kid off the field. And I believe we'll see that. And, you know, it could be – who knows when it can be. Uh, football is crazy. You know, anything can happen. But it could be next week, could be this week, could be down the line. But he will be and is becoming a dominant force for this defense. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I also was curious about, so you mentioned 2013 was your freshman year. Uh, you were recruited by Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, what were the differences between Bill O'Brien's approach and James Franklin's approach? Yeah, I'd say um, Coach uh, O'Brien's uh, approach, Manjo only had him one year, but he did recruit me and was a hell of a guy. Um, I know my class loved him. Obviously, coming from the Patriots, he had a pro approach. You know, I didn't necessarily know this then. This is just my first coach in college. That's all I knew. But he definitely had a pro approach where when you go to the league, it's, it's business schedule. It's a job. You know, it's, you come in, you pay your dues, you clock out kind of deal. And um, so he approached guys like that in a more mature manner. And then uh, I would say Franklin, obviously, coming from Vanderbilt, being in the college ranks for a little bit more, uh, he definitely understood the kind of college aspect of it all, that these kids also are kids, you know, 18 to 22, and there's 120 of them, and it takes a lot to kind of uh, keep all that under control. So I think he understood that aspect a little bit more, where um, it wasn't just necessarily all just football, X's and O's. And Bill was a very approachable guy, not that he say he was uh, only cared about football, but as a team, as a whole team, you have to kind of acknowledge everything that goes on with these young kids and it can be a lot 
as uh, I learned and I see now. So it's especially now it's a different game with uh, the young athletes in college now. So I think James Franklin is, is a perfect fit. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. Um, you. I think I think we're ready to get into the the Big Ten uh, pick'em part of the interview. Okay. Um, this is, I guess I'll lay it out for you. It's straight mm-hmm. outright, so you don't have to worry about picking against the spread or anything like that. So you're just picking okay. winners here. Um, you get a point for every one you get correct, and then you get one additional point that you can put on any game. So you can double down on any game to get an additional point on any on any game that you choose. Um, you can just tell us at the end which game you would want to double down on, and uh, we can go from there. Just to give you an idea, if you get around 83% of the points possible, you'll be in first place. Uh, right? I think Audrey Snyder with The Athletic right now is at 83%. Uh, Joe Hermit. Okay. Uh, photographer at Patriot News and Penn Live is in second place. So when okay. you think he got 80%. So that's what we're looking at right now. There's actually uh, a Big Ten football game tonight between Chattanooga oh, and Illinois. Okay. Uh, Illinois' 21-point favorite there. Chattanooga is undefeated, by the way. Uh, mm. You have a thought on that game? Um, I'll give one point to Illinois. I'll go with Illinois. Illinois 2-1 and one on the year. Looking pretty good over there with uh, Brett Billima, their new coach. Maybe they will uh, – that, that Big Ten West not looking too strong right now. Uh, let's go yeah. Saturday. Uh, we're going to hold off on the Penn State Central Michigan game till the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Maryland at Michigan. Both teams mm. undefeated. Michigan's still a 17-point favorite. Maryland's got a pretty good offense, though. Michigan hadn't really been challenged yet. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that ground game from Michigan. Michigan. I know people are talking about the quarterbacks, but it always starts on the ground with Michigan. I think they'll uh, they'll they'll take that over Maryland. Were you impressed with Michigan last year? Did you like what they were able to do uh, in the running game and with their defensive ends last year? They had some great players, obviously um, Hudson, those guys being drafted, but I'm never impressed with Michigan. I, I was trying to set you up for failure there. My bad. <laughs> It's, there's a lot more Big Ten games this week, too. We got a, a really big game in Minnesota at Michigan State. Minnesota, yeah. kind of the only team out in the Big Ten West right now that is looking relatively good. Uh, that game is at 3.30 Eastern. And Minnesota, even though they're on the road, they are a three-point favorite. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Michigan State gets this one. They're coming back home. They got, a, they got beat last week. Um, I, I'm going to go Michigan State, actually. Yeah, were you surprised by that Washington butt whooping they gave to the Spartans? I kind of was. I kind of was, and that kind of sways my uh, my decision now. I think they'll be fired up, come back home, get that taste out of their mouth type of deal. I think they'll uh, they'll take Minnesota. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that'd be uh, probably one of the better games to watch this weekend. Indiana at Cincinnati. Cincinnati won last year in this game. Indiana still three and zero. Cincinnati is a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I'm going to go to uh, I'm gonna go Vegas on this one. I'm going to go Cincinnati. Go Cincinnati. It's looking good. Not too yeah. sure about Indy. Yeah, yeah. Indiana burned us um, previously in the year. Were you uh, impressed <laughs> with Cincinnati getting to the college football playoff last year? Are you Were you happy to see a group of five team? Are you happy to see the, the uh, playoff expanding? 
I was happy for Cincinnati uh, last year. I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Coach uh, Fickle down there. I think what he's doing is good. Good for college football, good for himself, good for the program since he, I've, you know, visited them a little bit when I was out there playing for Cincinnati. So uh, somewhat of a fan. Um, college football expanding, I am a fan of it. I'm not sure how, we'll have to see how it works, how they make it shift, but I am a fan of it expanding. I think there's a lot of good uh, teams out there that need a chance. I'm not sure if they've got all these picks right over the last few years, even dating back to that 2016 year. Cough, cough, but I I, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, and I think they showed that Penn State would have made the the playoff a couple times if if it had been expanded earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to upset you too much there. Uh, <laughs> Iowa at Rutgers. Rutgers is still three and zero. I was seven and a half point favorites. Obviously, Iowa's made fun of a little bit for how poor their yeah. offense has been. Do you think Rutgers? You're a New Jersey guy at heart, right? So you yeah. taking your uh, your home squad here? I am. I think Rutgers is, is new and improved, actually, this year. Um, Coach Yano huh. came back. You know, I'm not going to say they're going to win the Big Ten, but they are they are improved. And it seems Iowa is kind of on the opposite end. Uh, Got to highlight my guy Matt Bowen over at ESPN, big Iowa Hawkeye guy, uh, former player. We talk about it every now and then. But I'm going to go with Rutgers. Gotcha. Was, was Rutgers high on your list when during the recruitment process? Oh, yeah, yeah. It came down to pretty much them, Penn State, Northwestern. They had they had the most communication with me. Um, like you said, you know, backyard. But, uh, you know, they were they were a little bro to Penn State. Yeah, that's going to make a lot of Penn State fans happy hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin? Uh, not Rutgers fans. Yeah, no, no. I don't think we have that many (laughs) Rutgers fans listening to us. Um, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Ohio State's 19-point favorites in this one. Wisconsin lost to Washington State two weeks ago. What are your thoughts on the Buckeyes this year? Uh, They look good, per usual. Uh, I don't think it's going to – what did you say, 19 points? Yeah, yep. I don't think that is Sam, but they'll they'll I think they'll win. I'll give them this matchup. Uh, you know, Wisconsin quarterback uh, position is always the you know the one they the position they need to take them over the edge, and still not seeing it. So I'll take uh, Ohio State in a close one though, or closer to nineteen. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And you could still be at seventeen and not not be close. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's go, Miami, Ohio at Northwestern. Northwestern just lost to Southern mm. Illinois and really ruined everyone's pickums last week. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts here, Miami, Ohio? I I don't know much about them, but I don't think they're that good. But what mm. do I know? Seven and a half this point favorite for for Northwestern, by the way. This is at Northwestern, you said correct. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Northwestern. They got to bounce back this week. Um, you know, they've they've beat us a few times, even when I was there, and they always give me a bad taste every now and then. But I'm a fan of that program. I think I like coaches do. Yeah, I was actually at that 2015 yeah. game out in Northwestern, which was ah, awful. That one hurt. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> that was that was not the most fun day. Um, Northwestern's stadium, Ryan Field. One of my mm-hmm. least favorite places to, to be at. Yeah. FAU. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, just, that's the funny thing about that stadium. I remember that week, that game, you know, all week, and we're kind of approaching it. You know, it's going to be quiet. We can't uh, 
you know, can't expect too much noise. You got to bring your own juice. And it started off quiet, but second and third quarter, that stadium was rocking. I don't know how many fans they had, but they hated us. They were they were up and at it. <laughs> yeah, and I think it was an eleven. I think it was an eleven a.m. local time kick too. Yeah, those yeah. were always fun. Uh, yeah, I think that was the point. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever practice with like without music or anything to to get ready for things like that? Like just that that week we did everything, lifting weights, nothing. And oh, the whole point cool. of the whole week was bring your own juice, bring your own energy. Oh, Eleven wow. a.m. And I mean, it made sense, but it was just funny to me because they were not caught. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, well, the way the stadium is, if they someone starts yelling, the way it's kind of concave in, you can kind of get some of that noise to be trapped in there. Um, FAU at Purdue. Purdue close loss to Syracuse last week. Uh, FAU actually played Ohio earlier in the year, and they lost to Ohio as well. Um, thoughts here? I'm gonna. I'm still gonna uh, go with Purdue. I think they handle business. Um, I mean, I, I think every game is even these smaller schools, whatever you want to call them, not, or smaller programs. You know, they're tough. I think the transfer portal is even the playing field a little bit. Um, but I still go with Purdue. But every game is is going to be a little bit closer than what people think. Most games, at least. Gotcha. Well, I'm assuming you're going to go with Penn State to take Central Michigan <laughs> to the woodshed. Um, got to double down. You, you're doubling down on the, the Nittany Lions? Come on. Got to. Okay. <laughs> That's mine, too. Um <laughs> Do you have a score prediction for us? And do you have any thoughts on what we might see in this game? Mm. I, um, do you have any stats on Central Michigan? I, I don't nothing. I but have you're... as many stats as you want. Um, Lou Nichols, the third, really good running back as far as like mm. the matchings concerned. Uh, their quarterback Richardson, more of a pocket passer, has a little bit of wiggle, but not much. Um, had four touchdowns against Oklahoma State, and then. Mm. Um, defense not so great on their side. They gave up 500 yards to both Oklahoma State and South Alabama. Mm. Okay. That being said, I'll go with the score prediction of 38 to well, I'll give them 10. 38 to 10 Penn State. Um, what is there another question attached to that? I'm sorry. Just yeah, score just prediction. Want, yeah, just score prediction. Oh yeah, thirty-eight to ten. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What time is that? Is that a noon kickoff? Yeah, it's at noon. Um, I'll be I'll be in attendance. I think Corey will be working that day, so he's. Okay. Yeah. Corey lives down in Alabama, so. Oh, okay. You don't want to well. talk about me having to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if if I have to miss a game. I think I'm okay missing this one compared to yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I think uh, I I think Central Michigan is going to struggle in this one, I, unless Penn State comes out a little bit deflated from from the Auburn game. Was that hard for you coming off? I mean, everyone thought Penn State once they beat Ohio State, everyone still thought you know maybe they were going to falter in that 2016 season, and right. you guys never did. Was that? Is there any way to combat that after a big win? I mean, how do you how do you move on from something like that? I think. That's a, that's a great deal on the co- – I mean, it's for everyone, but the coaches do a great job of that. They know, you know, how the younger minds can kind of lose it a little bit. But I think they keep everybody in the rounds, you know, just get back to work. Just another regular week, just like last week was. 
keep the same schedule, nothing changes, um, and get ready to bring it. At the end of the day, it's about winning, you know. You know, like they say, one and all. That's that's still true just as any week, one and all. Um, so keep the mentality right. And, uh, yeah, they'll go out there and handle business. Well, we're not going to let you get off that easily because you had an easier game to predict than <laughs> um, some of the tougher ones. So okay. uh, I'm curious. You've seen this Penn State team now three weeks where are your, you know, where, where are you thinking as far as where this team can get? What's the ceiling? What's the what's the floor for for these guys? Oh, man, the the ceiling is. I think they have a chance to accomplish. Like like we were talking about earlier, this could be one of those years where, you know, it's 11, 11 10 game winning season, Big Ten berth, uh, and hopefully a playoff berth. You know, see how that shakes out. But, you know, guys stay healthy. You know, opportunity arises if that is not the case. The talent is there. Uh, I think the schematics, you know, the the scheme is there. Offense, defense, special teams. Um, they have what it takes. They just got to believe it themselves and go out there and handle business because, you know, really I'm not too impressed with – if we're talking Big Ten, I'm not too impressed with anybody out there. You know, Ohio State is Ohio State. Don't get me wrong. Michigan is Michigan, but every 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 team is beatable, man. Every team is beatable. Yeah, so you're uh, you're bought in. You're bought in on this guy and these guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always am guilty by association, but you know, and if I'm gonna be honest, this year it feels a little bit more. You know, you could just see it a little bit more. I mean, last year was a great start. Like we all seen it. Um, I mean, obviously injuries hurt a lot, but it's no excuse. But this year, I, you can see it molding into something, something positive. Um, like I said earlier, we don't know. We're not in that locker room, but um, it looks it looks familiar. It smells familiar. Uh, like I said, that confidence, you can see that through the TV. That's a big deal. And they just got to keep that and uh, keep it rolling. Yeah, I think, I think the confidence is definitely there more than maybe previous years. How often are you getting up to State College or – you got plans to go to a couple more games this year, or, or what are your? How often do you get back there? Yeah, I've tried to. Recently, it's been one game a year, a season. Um, try to change that this year. My schedule right now is a little crazy, a lot going on, but I'll definitely be up there eventually for one of these Saturdays. Just gotta map it out. Uh, I really have to. I'm, unfortunately, I won't be able to make either of the big games in October. Um, the Whiteout and Ohio State back to back. Uh, usually would be one of those, but it may be, it may be a late cold one for me, which I don't mind. Gotcha. How often do you guys, like the other members of the 2016 squad, or or other members of just you know earlier in your career, how often do you guys get together or or, or hang out? I think um, for a good amount. Uh, I mean, for what it is, distance and everything, everybody's got different things going on, and everybody's kind of got their own little group, little pockets, five or six guys that they were super tight with. I know I do. Um, I mean, we talk often group chats, you know, not every day because we're busy, but, you know, we chat and definitely when those games come around to go to, that's who we're conversating with. You know, you you got to make it up, you know, definitely see all see each other when we're up there, you know, go out, have a good time, tailgate. Um, but I think everybody is fairly close, you know, with their, their smaller group, uh, in particular groups. Everyone's pretty close, man. And when we all see each other, it's always love. Right, right, of course. 
Well, Brandon, we appreciate you spending some time with us today. Is there anything you want to plug or, or anything that you're up to that you'd like to shed light on? Uh, not much, man. I'm in. Uh, I'm producing now. Uh, working for NFL Films is where I'm at now. Um, uh, just be on the lookout for some things, you know, individually for me coming out. I'm really trying to, you know, build build on what I'm learning here, and you know, just uh, put as much out there, get some content out in the world as well. You know, it's against my personality a little bit, but I gotta get out my shell and and get out there. Well, we appreciate you, you know, maybe getting out of your shell a little bit on the show today. It's always fun talking to to former Penn State players and obviously um, guys that were part of such a historic run at Penn State makes it even more special. And like I said, you're Sean, one of Sean's favorite players. So I know, oh, Sean, yeah, I appreciate I know you're appreciative, that. Sean. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Brandon. And yeah, the 2016 team, man, like still one of my favorites and probably always will be. It was my senior no year, so very special oh, time perfect. in my life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome. I was one of those students storming the field. Yeah, I'm sure. I hope so, man. That was, uh, what did that feel? Can I ask you a question? What was that like? You know, so that particular week, I was, I didn't do Nittanyville regularly, but that Mm -hmm. week, um, I was able to get up front, uh, due to one of our other friends, uh, having tickets. So I was up front and, you know, I didn't really know how to, you know, going into the game, I thought we had a shot, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't feeling, you know, a hundred percent confident in it. Gotta be honest. Um, and then, you know, we block, you know, the, the field goal gets blocked and then you guys, uh, make the stop and I'm asking people around me, like, are we going to storm the field? And everybody's going, (laughs) no, no, we're not. No. And then we start getting pushed in the back. So it was either, you know, like basically get stomped (laughs) over or get on the other side of that gate. So that's just kind of how it happened because we were, because the student section wasn't going to have it any other way. We were going to get right, on that right. field that night and celebrate with you guys. So it was awesome. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Man, they had those bleachers set up below. So when people were coming over the railing, that they would have somewhere to kind of put their feet. And they had yeah, those there before the game even started. And as soon as I saw those, I was like, oh, man. If the, <laughs> the athletic department is thinking ahead like that, then then everyone in the whole football program is thinking that they're going to win this thing. So that's when, to me, I was like, oh, we got a good shot. I will say there this. There we go. Uh, Coach Chaos, I don't know how mm-hmm. I found him or he found me or whatever the case may be, but he jumped into my arms when I got onto the field. And so I was actually holding, you know, Coach Spencer, not a, not a small dude. I was actually holding him right. like a baby. Um, that's, and that's just kind of the emotion overflowing and the kind of the guy that he yeah. was. So uh, that was a special yeah. moment for, for everybody that was there. It was. And we'll have more. Well, I, I mean, I love that we all savor that moment. And I think it was honestly a part of the, my little speech after the game, you know, that this this is normal. You know, I get it. Number two team in the country. We all hate Ohio State, but we want to be where we want to be. This will become a normal, you know, occurrence. And um it will be. It will be. There'll be much more, mo- many more moments like that for Penn State. Yeah, be. Penn State Amen. definitely has that opportunity this season. A lot of those opportunities are coming up. So, Brandon, well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week and a good weekend as well, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You too, guys. All righty. Thank you again to Brandon Bell, you know, giving us about 45 minutes of his time uh, to talk football and, of course, get his guest picks in. If you haven't got your pick them in, Make sure you do that right now. Um, 
I, maybe I'll take the Illinois one off for people that, that haven't done it yet, but make sure you get your pick them in. Um, there's a game tonight, technically, but we'll figure that part out. Make sure you get those in. Thank you to Brandon Bell. Uh, always nice to talk to former players. And, um, and yeah, he went, he went with, uh, he went with Penn State 38-10. Sean, I think maybe that's a little bit lower than a lot of people have it at. Um, you ready to talk predictions? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. And I also understand where Brandon Bell's coming from on that one. Yeah. Well, well then, well, you're first this time, right? Because I went Auburn first, didn't I? Yep. Okay. Yes, so, you did. well, give us the piece of your mind, Sean. Or should I call you? Or do you want to just go stop now and watch the Yankees game? Whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to go back into Penn State fans' good graces and pick the Nittany Lions to win this one. Um, I got Penn State 52, Central Michigan 16. Uh, I come to that because Central Michigan's defense is not very good. Um, and I think we're going to be able to have some success on the ground against them. It might not always look pretty, and I know 52 uh, looks awesome, and it is, but I could see us have maybe coming out a little sleepy, even though Central Michigan does struggle in the first half, but I could see us you know, maybe punting uh, when we first get the ball. But then I think by the second or third drive, we'll really kick things into gear, and Nick Singleton will have a couple big runs. Um, and I think the key to this week is they're going to try to continue that continue that rhythm with the run game and um, continue trying to build um, build success with it. And I think they will. And uh, Central Michigan, you know, like I said, they'll score a little bit. I think I get to the 16 points because I think they're going to stall out in the red zone. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a nice challenge for the defense. Um, uh, but I, I see a lot of the young guys getting in this week and getting some, Getting some valuable time. So, Penn State fifty-two, Central Michigan sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're uh, technically now two and one in the predictions this year. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually I'm tied in the pick'em now. I don't even have the top spot to myself anymore after a terrible week. Um, yeah, this one. I'm I'm less worried about this one than I am about Ohio. To be honest, with you. I, I don't know how it's all going to be said and done. But I think when it's all said and I think Ohio actually might end up being better than Central Michigan. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Ohio got flattened by Iowa State, by the way. Um, yeah, no, I I don't think the CMU team's that good. I think Lou Nichols is pretty good, and then I think everyone else is meh. I, I think Richardson is not much of a runner at the quarterback spot. I think that means he's just going to be a, a sitting duck. There, I, I expect to see a lot of man coverage in this game, and again, I expect you know the receivers to be locked down. Um, I think Clifford has a big game. I think CMU is very, I mean, just watching it, there's going to be a lot of guys running after the catch in this game. And I think Clifford has a pretty big game. Uh, and I think we, you know, the defense maybe gets a, a score as well. So I'm going to actually go bigger, Sean. I'm going to go 63 to 17. Ooh, uh, a 60 piece. Yeah. I'm dropping the 60 burger out here. I think. I think it happens, to be honest with you. I mean, Penn State just dropped 41 on Auburn. And 
I think I think that's a, a an easy task if if they can convert on the turnovers, which they did not do a great job of against Auburn. I mean, that's they scored touchdowns on all the turnovers they had against Auburn instead of I think they got ten points instead of twenty eight points possible. So that's another eighteen right there. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that happens. I'm going sixty three seventeen. I think it might be a shutout by the end of the first half. That's my that's my bold prediction there. Or not really my bold prediction. That's my lukewarm prediction before we get to the bold predictions. Okay. I like uh, it. I guess going into my bold predictions, I'm going to go Clifford throws four touchdown passes. That's my bold prediction. I think, again, I don't even know if they're even that hard of throws. I just think people are going to run after the catch. I think Washington gets one or two. I think Tinsley gets one or two. And I think... Trey Wallace gets one. How about that? Um, yeah, that, that, Clifford throws four touchdowns. That's my one bold prediction. My other bold prediction is there is a pick six. All right, all right. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, offensive line for a bold prediction. This will be the second straight game without a sack allowed. That's bold. Um, yeah, even with the backups I, coming in too, that's that's what even makes it bold. Even with the backups, even with the backups, um, because I really don't like the Central Michigan defense. I I don't think they're any good, um, but also it's going to show a sign that Penn State is protecting their quarterback, uh, because in years past we gave up sacks to everybody, um, except Auburn randomly last year, but that's just been kind of the mo with Penn State. So I'm going to go with that. Um, second bull prediction, I'll say Jake Pinnegar is perfect this weekend. Makes all his extra points. Wow, makes all his field flipping the script. That's right. I, I'm going hard in the other direction and he hangs on to his job for, it. um, it helps. I should say it helps solidify his job for the rest of the year. Wow. 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 You really have turned the corner here, Sean. I'm very impressed. Um, how good are you feeling right now about this Penn State team? Really good. Really good, actually. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, I'll go 8.5. Um, 10 would be, I think we're going to win the national championship. I'm not there. Uh, but do I think we can contend for the Big Ten? Yeah. Uh, and Brandon Bell kind of, kind of uh, addressed this, too. And I, I thought this was a good point. Like, look around the conference. I mean, it's not like anybody's really running away with it. We don't have a Georgia in the Big Ten this year. At, at least I don't think so right now. Um, I don't think the top teams, I don't think the teams at the top are separated by very much. And could I see us going into Ann Arbor and be, beating Michigan? Yeah. I'm not going to guarantee it or anything, but yeah, I could see it happening. Could I see Penn State upsetting Ohio State at home? Yeah. I mean, first off, we're due to beat Ohio State. Uh, it's been a long time since we did it. And I kind of think we have the type of team that could do it. Ohio State has struggled against the run in years past, uh, in the past couple of years. And for the first time, I think we have a really physical, for the first time in a long time, I think we have a really physical team. So, yeah, I'm feeling really good about this team. I got to say, the, the Auburn game is what really brought me into the super optimistic direction. 
Yeah, and I just want to mention again in the season preview that I thought that is exactly how you would feel after the Auburn game because I knew people would be coming out of that feeling pretty good about themselves. So, uh, yeah, I think we I think we touched on all everything that we wanted to touch on today. So, uh, thank you everybody for listening. As always, if you have a second and you haven't yet, please make sure you're subscribed to whatever podcast directory that is. Make sure to fill out your pickums and consider dropping us a five-star review or rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really appreciates that. Um, I, I'm not going to say anything, Sean. I want to. But I'm just going to tease about some potential merch coming down the road. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. I'll um, keep an eye out. Yep. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, Sean, it was fun. Uh, you enjoyed going to the game. And I will enjoy watching the rerun at some point in my life. <laughs> All right, fair enough, boy. Rat, rat scumbag. Um, <laughs> All right, bye, everybody, I guess. We're out of here? We're good? I think we're good. I think so. All right, thank you, everybody. Yeah, for uh, Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoke. You are listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. See you, everybody.